Chris. And I'm Garrett. Oh, hell yeah. This week we're going to be talking about the fucking aliens that come from the space. So, Garrett, come on, take it away, bud. It is from our alien chapter. We're doing alien abductions. Uh, on our pre-show, we talked about it. On our post-show, we talked about it last week. But anybody who doesn't watch doesn't know that. So, Because you're a loser. Watch our Twitch stream every Wednesday. We start at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Anybody who lives within the state of Virginia or in the entire East Coast and a little bit even further west from that, you're all in the same fucking time zone. So check it out, 7 o'clock. If you're in Central, check it out at 6 o'clock. If you're in Central Mountain, check it out at 5 o'clock. If you're in fucking California, don't watch it all because I'm not with the gnarly shit. Okay? But that's not how we get views. In California, we we like you. Yeah, come listen to us, please. Yeah, 4 p.m. Hey, and if you're overseas, don't know when you'd listen, but or watch. So just um, figure it out. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're in most of Europe, I believe it would be either midnight or 1 a.m. I think they're six hours ahead. I think. That's fine. That might be wrong. I don't know shit. Um, so we're going to start with the last one. Hell yeah. Because that was the request that you made. Yes, it was. Barney and Betty Hill. Oh, I know about this one. They sound like they were abducted by aliens just with those names. Uh, they were an American couple who claimed to be abducted by extraterrestrials in a rural portion of the state of New Hampshire from September 19th to September 20th of 1961. Uh, it was the first widely publicized report of an alien abduction in the United States. The, the incident came to be called the Hill Abduction and the Zeta Reticuli Incident. The Zeta who do what now? Zeta Reticuli. I'm pretty sure if you say that three times fast, something's going to start fucking floating. Zeta Reticuli, Zeta Reticuli, Zeta Reticuli. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, uh... And it was called that because the star map shown to Betty Hill could possibly be the Zeta Reticuli system, according to some researchers. What the fuck is it? I've never heard of this system. When they were doing the investigation about where they were taken in space, because somehow someone who has never been in space can tell you exactly where they were. Uh, problem number one uh, can point exactly to which star system they were in on a star map. Oh, yeah, I think we passed by that star. Yeah, I remember they had to lock the windows and doors on when we passed by this planet. You know, four, four light years back, we passed by Floating Margaret. Ah, <laughs> uh, she's still alive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good for her. Good for her. I can't wait to see Margaret, Margaret come back to Earth. It's because she's one of the aliens. Mm. Eventually. Oh, man. Okay, so they're... Story was adapted into the best-selling 1966 book called *The Uninterrupted Journey* and the 1975 television film *The UFO Incident*. Uh, it's got a very low rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a shitty movie. We should watch it. No. Oh. In recent, <laughs> I I don't need to. I already read about it. And you're about to hear about it right now. I'm about to tell you the whole movie. In recent years, plans have been announced for a movie and a TV series based on the incident. Although as of 2021, nothing has been produced. So must be pretty important, right? I can't stop moving. You okay? are shaking the I shit out of everything. Fucking anxious. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stationary. <laughs> You're gonna stop stationary. I'm gonna stop stationary. Most of Betty. 
Most of Betty Hill's notes, tapes, and other items have been placed in the permanent collection at the University of New Hampshire, which is her alma mater. In July of 2011, the New Hampshire Division of Historical Resources marked the site of the alleged craft's first approach with a historical marker. Oh, really? Yeah, giving it some sort of credibility. Mm, okay, I'll, I'll keep listening. I'll keep listening before okay. I start uh, ripping this one apart. That's good. It's about to get stupid. It's about to go sideways. Oh, fuck yeah. According to a variety of reports given by the Hills, the alleged UFO sighting happened about 10.30 p.m. September 19th of 1961. The Hills were driving back to Portsmouth from a vacation in Niagara Falls in Montreal, just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire. Betty claimed to have observed a bright point of light from the sky that moved from below the moon and the planet Jupiter upward to the west of the moon. Moved upward. So it wasn't a falling star or anything like that. It was moving up. Upward to the planet Jupiter. Up to Jupiter. From the moon. I'm, I'm talking about star maps, okay? Uh, okay. It's okay. I mean, nobody knows how to map stars unless they're an astronomer. So. Well, I'm an astrologist. I think that's different. I don't know. It is. <laughs> well, be astronomical. Okay. Uh, while Barney navigated U.S. Route 3... Uh, Betty reasoned that she was observing a falling star, only it moved upward. So it was a rising star. God damn it, Betty. Stop making this shit up. Because it moved erratically and grew bigger and brighter, mm. Mm. Betty urged Barney to stop the car for a closer look as well as walk their dog, Delcy. Barney stopped at a scenic picnic area just south of Twin Mountain. Uh, Betty, looking through binoculars, observed an odd-shaped craft floating through multicolored, I'm sorry, flashing multicolored lights floating across the face of the moon. Because her sister had several several years earlier said she had seen a flying saucer, Betty thought it might have been what she was observing. Have you ever been to Twin Mountain? In what way? I've been between Twin Mountains. Sweet. Have you? Yeah. 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 I, I was waiting for you to have like a pause i just had to say it yeah i'm glad anyway yeah however through binoculars barney observed what he reasoned was a commercial airliner traveling toward vermont on its way to montreal however he soon changed his mind because without looking as if it had turned the craft rapidly descended in his direction so started coming down towards them okay descended means this observation (laughs) caused barney to realize thank you (laughs) thank you this I know I'm stupid. <laughs> this observation caused uh, Barney to realize this was this object that was a plane was not a plane. They quickly <laughs> returned to the car and drove toward Franconia Notch, a narrow mountainous stretch of the road. The hills said they continued driving on the isolated road, moving very slowly through Franconia Notch in order to observe the object as it came even closer to them. At one point, the object passed above a restaurant and signal tower on top of Cannon Mountain and came out near the old man of the mountain. It's a lot of mountain places. Uh, Betty testified that it was at least one and a half times the length of the granite cliff profile, which was about 40 feet long, and that it seemed to be rotating. Okay. The couple watched. What were they the, smoking? I, yeah. Well, they were driving, so probably nothing, because nobody does anything and then drives a car. Yeah, no. The couple watched as the silent, illuminated craft moved erratically and bounced back and forth through the night sky. About one mile south of Indian Head, 
They said the object rapidly descended toward their vehicle, causing Barney to stop in the middle of the highway. The huge silent craft hovered about 80 to 100 feet above the Hills' uh, car, which was, by the way, a 1957 Chevy Bel Air. Mm. Dope car. Clean. It would be so much nicer to have it now. Uh, and filled the entire view of their windshield. It reminded Barney of a huge pancake in the sky. His Betty, words, by the Betty, way. Betty, Betty, you know what this is? What is it, Barney? Uh, it's a goddamn pancake floating above us. <laughs> um, carrying his pistol in his pocket. <laughs> he stepped away from the vehicle and moved closer to the object. Using the binoculars again, Barney claimed to have seen eight to 11 humanoid figures who were peering out of the craft's windows, seeming to look at him in unison. All but one figure moved to what ha- what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the hallway that encircled the front portion of the craft. <laughs> the one <laughs> the one remaining figure continued to look at Barney and communi- communicated a message telling him to stay where you are and keep looking. Betty, shit's about to get fucking real. I'm about to turn my Glock sideways. So it's now transmitting messages into his head. Telepathically. Or through some sort of alien means. Okay. Maybe not with telepathic superpowers, but maybe with some sort of uh, alien radio frequency. I'm fucking shaking again. <laughs> uh, Barney maybe. had a recollection of observing the humanoid forms wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Uh, red lights on what appeared to be bat wing fins began to telescope out of the sides of the craft and a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft towards the car. Silent craft approached to what Barney estimated was within 50 to 80 feet overhead and about 300 feet away from them. Uh, on October 21st, 1961, Barney, Barney reported to the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, which is NICAP. Okay. Um, pretty cool. Sometimes I, too, get a nightcap. <laughs> I don't. But NICAP is actually pretty cool. They do studies. So whenever people are like, oh, my God, what's that floating thing in the sky? And it's like a weather balloon or some sort of thing. It's always a weather balloon. Yeah, that's unexplained. Uh, NICAP is the people who do the investigations on that. Okay. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, However, the guy who is part of NICAP, his name is not very cool. His name is Walter Webb. Okay. Did he? I'm not even going to make that joke. But anyway, so uh, Barney reported to Walter Webb. Did he create the World Wide Web? He did not. Damn it. uh, That the beings were somehow not human. Barney tore the binoculars away from his eyes and ran back to the car. In a near hysterical state, he told Betty they're going to capture us. He saw the object again shift its location to directly above the vehicle. He drove away at high speed, telling Betty to look for the object. She rolled down the window and looked up. Almost immediately, the Hills heard a rhythmic series of beeping or buzzing sounds, which they said seemed to bounce off the trunk of their vehicle. The car vibrated with a, the car vibrated, and a tingling sensation passed through their, passed through their bodies. The Hills said that they then experienced the onset of an altered state of consciousness that left their minds dulled. A second series of beeping or buzzing sounds returned, sorry, returned the couple to full consciousness. They found that they had traveled nearly 35 miles south, but it had only vague spotty memories of this section of the road. They recalled making a sudden, sharp, un- unplanned turn, encountering a roadblock and observing a fiery orb in the road. They both participated in hypnosis sessions that you can find on Google, uh, but I can share with you the results if you're 
ready to hear them? Um, or do you want to poke holes real quick? I kind of want to poke a couple holes. Okay. And you might you might answer into it, but if they went to a sub trance, I'm just going to call it like a sub trance. Yep. How did Betty know where they went? How was she able to point out this is where we went? If if you can't remember it. Yeah. And keep in mind, so that's pretty much the entire story. And I included it because I don't think it's so much of a physical abduction as it is a mental abduction. Okay. Um, which is why I chose to do this one instead of another one that I found because I, w- I wanted to hit three different points. And so for this one specifically, it's not so much that they were physically abducted, but that they were somehow taken over by a, a, another being, okay. another entity, that they lost a complete and total state, state of consciousness, but in their human bodies still kind of knew what they were doing. Enough so to drive 35 miles. So, uh, all right, all right. I, I, I don't know how to phrase it by word, but yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. So one of my favorite things to, to read about and cause I, I don't like reading. I, I just really don't. I can't, I can't read things if I'm not interested in them. Yeah. But one of my favorite things to read about is the difference between your conscious mind, your conscious mind and your unconscious mind. Right. So basically the beings had the ability to take over their unconscious mind while leaving their conscious mind intact. So they're able to still, they're basically just meat bodies just driving at that point. Yes. And the brain, they basically soul snatched them and took away their sense of knowledge and and ability, but didn't take away their functionality. Okay. Which is again, that's weird. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, that's a, that's no pun intended. You can get really deep into that. That's no, no pun intended, but that's a complete mind fuck. Yeah. Entirely. However, like I said, they went under they or they went to do hypnosis sessions to see if they could unlock what was going on within their unconscious minds. And here's what's going on. This guy's name is Simon. Okay. And Simon says to do hypnosis. After the hypnosis sessions, Simon speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was possibly a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Simon thought it was the most reasonable and consistent explanation. Uh, Barney rejected this idea, noting that while their memories were consistent in some regards, there were also portions of both their narratives that were unique to each. Barney was now ready to accept that they had been abducted by the occupants of a UFO, though he never embraced it as fully as Betty did. Because she was all for it. Really? Oh, yeah. Like, she, she come was, take me? Not even like that. She was thoroughly convinced that she was abducted. Really? Yes. Which is why she's able to point it out on a, on a star map and everything else. Yeah. She, but at what point does that become truth mm-hmm. and imagination? Exactly. At, at what point does that change over? Because at a certain state of sleep, especially when you're in REM sleep, your dreams feel very similar to reality. Yeah. And it's extremely vivid. It's, I think it speaks volumes to the power of the human brain, and I don't think it really speaks volumes to anything else. So anyway, like I said, Simon 
uh, said all that stuff. And then he said, though the Hills and Simon disagreed about the cause of their distress, they all concurred that the hypnosis sessions were effective. The Hills were no longer tormented by abduction anxiety afterwards. Uh, when the series of hypnosis sessions were complete, Simon wrote an article about the Hills for the journal uh, called Psychiatric Opinion, explaining his conclusion that the case was a singular psychological aberration. Okay. Not aberration. Okay. Aberration. All right. I kind of see where he's coming from. I wouldn't mind actually watching these like hypnosis files and see if like anything actually lines up together. Yeah. I don't know that the hypnosis sessions were recorded. Mm -hmm. Um, but however, like I said, they did make a book about what happened. Uh, they also made a movie about it. Really crappy movie. Yes. A very, well, I don't know. People today would probably say it's a shitty movie because it was made in the fucking sixties. Right. So, I mean, for instance, the movie, the birds, Mm -hmm. If you watch it now, you're like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. But for its time, it was scary. People fucking loved that movie. Yeah. I mean, I still love that movie, and it's a dumbass movie. Well, you were also born in the wrong decade. Yeah, I'm also afraid of birds. So, <laughs> fucking, I, I feel everything that they were going through. So, my I'm next question for you do you want to go with the possible true story or. The kind of outrageous and still possibly true story. Let's go with the true story. Let's leave the sexy story for last. Yeah, because the sexy I story. think I'm going to have some fun with that one. Okay. We're going to talk about Kelly Cahill. Bless you. Yeah, Kelly Cahill. Any, uh, any related to Barney and Becky Hill? No, this is Cahill. Cahill? I don't know if that's how you say it, but it's C-A-H-I-L-L. C-A-H-I-L-L. Kelly Cahill. Okay. Um, I was, I, I, for a minute there, I thought I had like a uh, eighth grade science teacher named that, but I'm pretty sure her name was Miss Caudle. But dude, she had a fat ass. Like, no, no lie. Like, she she was thick. She was pretty hot too. There's nothing like left turns on Campfire Chronicles. So Miss Caudle, if you are listening to this, oh my god, okay, and you're still in this area, we're just gonna go for it. Hit your boy up, eight six seven five three zero nine. He's an adult now. I am an adult now, so it'd be legal. <laughs> Wasn't legal back then. That's why you didn't go for it. Exactly. Okay. Kelly Cahill. Wow. This <laughs> this was something. Uh, if her story is to be believed on August 7th, 1993 in Australia. Oh, and the land down under. So keep in mind, first story was in New Hampshire. Right. I tried to grab stuff from different parts of the world because alien abductions is not just something that is specific to the United States. This happens everywhere. Right. Okay. Or allegedly. But Australian woman Kelly Cahill saw a UFO and beings from another world. As detailed in her book, she also wrote a book, in 1996. If I had done it? No. Her oh. book is called Encounter. Oh, I was close. Uh, Miss Cahill's case had all the hallmarks of the classic alien abduction story for the area, for the era. Uh, lost time, strange spaceships, bright lights, inhuman creatures, and inexplicable marks on her body. What did you say her name was? Kelly Cahill? Yes. I'm Kelly gonna, Cahill. I'm going to see if I can find her. Is she, wait, when was this? 1996. 19- okay, so she's still potentially still alive. Uh, probably. K-E-L-L-I-E? I believe she is, yes, because they said that after the, the you know, 
the glory of the book and everything else weared off, she kind of just disappeared. Hmm. Probably went to live with the aliens. Probably. Uh, her book, however, uh, before we continue. Okay. I did try to find her book. It's sold out everywhere. Really? And it has been for years. No shit. And if you want to buy a copy, it's even when they do have it in stock, it's going to run you a firm $150 for the book. Holy fuck. Because it's in that high of demand. And that's why it's about to get... <laughs> okay, well, so far, I've only seen the Kelly Cahills that are in Colorado, Texas, okay. Okay. Texas, okay. Montana, and uh, so far, that that's all I've seen. Yeah, I'm not sure where she lives now, so you might just be lost. However, her story is not. Her story had something other alien visitations did not. But sex? Nope. Independent yeah. witnesses who could potentially back up her story. Is... You know what? Never mind. Never mind. I'm I'm not even gonna that that thunder thunder was for dramatic effect. Okay. <laughs> um, along with her then husband Andrew, who was in the car with her on that fateful night on Melbourne's southeastern fringes, there were reportedly four other people in two separate cars who would be able to verify her otherworldly claims. Because of its multiple witnesses, the incident was hailed as the holy grail of alien abduction stories by UFO researchers and enthusiasts. Okay. Let's talk about some hooded figures with glowing eyes. Um, I'm pretty sure we are not allowed to talk about that. I am pretty sure that might be a little racist, Gary. What if it wasn't white hooded figures? Uh, okay. We're going to get into it. So the Cahills were on route to a friend's house when Kelly saw in a paddock, a row of five or six large orange lights on a distinct circular shape, like nothing she had ever seen before. About midnight, driving home on the same road, she and Andrew apparently saw what she believed to be the same lights hanging above the road. The object flew off at incredible speed, but soon after they saw it again in a paddock on the side of the road. Uh, after that, Miss Cahill's memory blanked like a cutscene in a film, and their car had traveled several hundred meters down the road without them even knowing. All of them? Just the Cahills. Just the Cahills, not the other people. Correct. But the other people saw it happen. In the days and weeks that followed, she claimed to find strange marks on her body, including a small triangular triangular wound below her uh, belly button and began experiencing stomach pains and night visitations from tall black hooded figures with lightly glowing red eyes. She also underwent hypnosis. Mm. Through hypnosis, she said she was unable to unlock her missing time. Her husband had pulled over and they'd got out of the car to get a better look at the brightly lit object. On the side of the road, further back up the road, another car had parked, its occupants standing at the edge of the field as well. A tall, thin figure appeared in front of an object, or in front of the object that was glowing, and Kelly heard in her mind, and uh, basically thinks that it's the thoughts of whatever this thing was. Mm -hmm. The only thing that she could pull, and the only thing that she remembers, is this thing saying, let's kill them. Really? Yes. More beings appeared, unleashing an energy force that knocked Kelly onto the ground as she screamed to her husband, they've got no souls, they're evil, they're going to kill us, and that's where her recollections end. I got goosebumps right now. Like, I got hard goosebumps. This is a good fucking story. Yeah, that's like, all I have. For really? Her. Yeah. There's oh, so much more that goes with this. My face is getting the gooses. But it would have been, it would have been lengthy. Like, we could probably do an entire episode just on her because with everything that she was able to kind of unlock, like I said, from her unconscious mind through hypnosis about what happened. 
Oh, how are you going to leave me on the edge like that, man? Yeah, what a cliffhanger, right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the end of the show, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, man. Are you ready for the sexy story? Well. Or do you want to talk about that one first? I want to talk about this one for like a, a split second. Okay. So you said hooded black figures with red eyes. Lightly glowing red eyes. Lightly glowing red eyes. Mm-hmm. And she's not the only per- person who saw it. See, I'm I'm getting so many different. I'm getting torn like two different ways. Okay. I'm getting torn in the paranormal side of things, like ghost in, in the spiritual realm. Okay. And then I'm also getting torn on the fucking alien side of shit because you, you the story revolves around aliens. But either way, you're saying that it has to have some sort of factuality behind it because otherwise, how would multiple people be able to back it up? Yeah. Um, also, is there pictures of this little triangular incision? Uh, Those, these markings, maybe, maybe, yeah. It doesn't say incision either in the story, and okay. it never, it never says what type of wound it is. It just says triangular shaped wound underneath her belly button. Okay. Um, I I did read something that said that it seemed like nobody could kind of figure out where or what it could be from. Uh, so potentially a probe, maybe. potentially something, maybe, but. If I don't, I don't know, man. I just uh, her and her husband also they did get divorced, and he has never publicly stated that he backs up her claims. Oh, really? He did say that. So she um, might just be a big bag of crazy. Yes. Whatever happened that night while they were on the road while they were in their car did happen, because okay. multiple people have publicly stated. Like, yeah, it was some weird phenomenon. Like, I, I don't really know. I can't really explain it. There's not really anything that I can really say about it because I, I just don't know how to explain what happened. But for everything that happened afterwards, it's just her. So maybe, okay, let's play devil's advocate for a minute. Maybe this all did happen. Yeah. Let's, let's say it all did happen. <clears throat> in, 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 po- in words. In a person's mind, in their mentality, they can go one or two routes. Okay. They can either accept it and and work towards an answer. Or deny it because it seems... Or they can completely shut down and deny everything because it's a lot easier to handle. Yeah. So something, if it is true, I would, without hearing the whole story, because I really think we should do a whole episode on this if it's potential. Okay. Um... Without hearing the whole story, in just a, under the assumption that it is true, he shut down. He shut down. He could not handle it. That's why they got a divorce. Okay. Potentially. Without hearing the rest of the story. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think. I'm Maybe sure one you, of the reasons. I'm sure if you find or get into it really deep enough, like you could probably find out why they got divorced, but I it doesn't state it. And obviously it's not prevalent to aliens. Or what happened that night? I mean, it might be. Potentially, but yeah, but yeah. without diving into their personal lives like that. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure when you go into having a, a, a encounter like that, I'm pretty sure all forms of a personal life are out the fucking window. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying I would love to be abducted by aliens. I mean, that's pretty much it. Especially... If it's the same thing that happened to this guy. So this is Antonio Villas-Boas. 
Oh, Antonio. Uh, he lived from 1934 to 1991. He was a Brazilian farmer and later a lawyer. Was he a, was he a coquina farmer? Brazilian? I don't think so. No. Uh, and he claimed to have been abduct- abducted by extraterrestrials in 1957. The similar stories uh, had circulated for years beforehand. Viasboas cl- claim the Viasboas's claims. You know what? We're just going to call him Antonio. Antonio's Antonio. claims were among the first alien abduction s- stories to receive wide attention worldly. Uh, some skeptics today consider the abduction story to be a little more than a hoax. Although Antonio nonetheless reportedly stuck to his account throughout his entire life. All right. This dude goes all the way left. Really? Oh, yeah. Am I going to like it? This one by far has the most detail that I could find. Like, it. you know what? I'm just going to read it. On October... Lay, lay it on me, Daddy. Yeah. On October 16, 1957, he was plowing fields near South Fran- Francisco. Whew, sorry. I almost said South San Francisco, but that's not right. Uh, South Francisco. Someone was probably getting plowed in South San Francisco. Okay, well, that's probably true. Somebody was probably getting plowed in a field in San Francisco. There is no field in San Francisco. Yes, there is. Sorry, I just spaced. Okay. On October 16, 1957, he was plowing fields near South Francisco (laughs) when he saw what he described as a red star in the night sky. According to his story, the star approached his position, growing in size until it became recognizable as a roughly circular or egg-shaped aerial craft with a red red light at its front and a rotating cupola on top. Cupola? Yeah. It's a fun word. The craft began descending the land in the field, extending three legs as it did so. At that point, Boas decided to run from the scene. According to him, (laughs) he first attempted to leave the scene on his tractor. Hey, man, fuck this shit. I'm out, Holmes. But when its lights and engine died shortly after traveling, or after traveling only a short distance, rather, he decided to continue on foot. However, he was seized by about a five-foot-tall humanoid who was wearing gray coveralls and a helmet. I'm sorry, if if a five foot tall something stops me, I'm punting that bitch across the field <laughs> at six foot one, two hundred and some odd pounds. I will punch your fucking ass across the field. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but like I said, he said he was wearing uh, gray coveralls and a helmet. Its eyes were small and blue, and mm-hmm. instead of speech, it made noises like barks or yelps. Three similar beings then joined the first in subduing Boas, and they dragged him inside of their craft. Like I said, he gets into detail. And here we go. Once inside the craft, it's a good way to start it already. Antonio said that he was stripped of his clothes and covered from head to toe with a strange gel. He was then laid into a large semicircular room through a doorway that had strange red symbols written all over it. Antonio claimed that he was able to memorize these symbols and later reproduce them for investigators, which was, he, he did do that or claims to have done that or gave them something in this room. The beings took samples of his blood from his chin. Huh? After, after this, he was then taken to a third room and left alone for around a half an hour. Those aliens are dumb as fuck. During this time, some kind of gas was pumped into the room, which made him very violently ill. Oh, are you sure he wasn't in Auschwitz? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Shortly after this, Antonio claimed that he was joined in the room by another humanoid. And here's where things go left. 
This one, however, was female, very attractive and naked. She was the same height as the other beings he had encountered with a small pointed chin and large blue cat-like eyes. The hair on her head was long and white, somewhat like platinum blondish, but her underarm and pubic hair were bright red. Oh, she had that fire crotch. Antonio said he was strongly attracted to the woman and the two had sexual intercourse. You know what he said? He said he, he came up to her like, hey, baby, does the carpet match the drapes? And she was like, <laughs> that was a terrible noise. Oh, my yep. God. Going to ear rape somebody for that one. Wow. During this act, Antonio noted that the female did not kiss him, but instead nipped him on the chin where he had been probed, basically. When it was all over, the female smiled at uh, Antonio, rubbing her belly and gestured upwards. Boas took this to mean that she was going to raise their child in space. The female seemed relieved that their task was over, and Boas <laughs> himself said that he felt angered by the situation because he felt as though he had been a little more than a good stallion for the humanoids. <laughs> she was disappointed with the dick. <laughs> she was like, meh. I mean, I'm not going to do it again, but thanks for the, you know, jizz. Yeah, let me see if I can pull this back up on my thing because I <laughs> apparently didn't. Uh, he felt like he did a good job as a stallion. So he thought he laid the fucking pipe. He was like, hell yeah, I got that fucking alien pussy. I'm fucking slaying that shit, dude. Like, I'm going to get back home and be like, oh, guess what I did, motherfuckers. And then she was like, eh, you got a tiny dick. Like, meh. Not, not my cup of tea. She was like, you know what? Human dick's not that great. No. But yeah, no. She uh, she grabbed her stomach and gestured upwards towards the, towards the sky, the stars. I want to know something. Okay. Because of how fucked up I am mentally. Okay. I want to know, in description, what this humanoid figure's... I'm just going to call it reproductive system... Was, was it like a, are you saying, was it vaginal? Yeah. Was it like a real vagine or was it like something else? I, I don't know. Like, did he like fuck its belly button? I, if he's stating that they had sexual intercourse and he didn't state any other details about it, I would assume that he, or at least he thought that he was fucking her in the vagina. Just Taking it to fucking town. Yeah. It's going to pound town on otherworldly snatch. <laughs> you think he ate it? Hey, I wonder if he was still covered in the goo before he when gave they, her the when goo. When they had sex? Yeah. Surprise, it's KY Jelly. I'm about to put your whole body in me. <laughs> uh, but after they had sex, after all that was over... Uh, <laughs> Boss said that he was then given back his clothing and taken on a tour of the ship by the humanoids. During this tour, he said he attempted to take a he attempted to take a clock-like device as proof of his encounter, but was caught by the humanoids and prevented from doing so. You know what that was? That was a petty tour. That was like here, you know, come, you know, you did you did us a solid. She wasn't really too happy. Come on, take take a tour, and then like you get the fuck out of my house, like me. What does that even mean? Anyway, he was then escorted off the ship <laughs> and watched as it took off, glowing brightly. When Boss returned home, he discovered that four hours had passed. That's it. Just four hours. Doesn't seem like it was that long. 
Antonio Villas-Boas later became a lawyer, married somebody, and had four children. He stuck to the story of his alleged abduction for his entire life. Though some sources say he died in 1992, he actually died on January 17th, 1991. Hmm. Very weird, right? Did he have any encounter with his child, like, at all? This this humanoid child? Nope. No? Not that's stated. Oh. Uh, no sort of communication, nothing that's documented. Hmm. Be a lot cooler if it was, though. Yeah. Like, like after 18 years, right. this little weird humanoid thing comes knocking on your door like, Papa, Papa, you need to pay me child support. So here's where it gets interesting, though. Uh, they did do an investigation on this because of his claims and whatnot. Uh-huh. Uh, following the alleged event. Boas claimed to have suffered from nausea and weakness as well as headaches and lesions on the skin, which appeared without any kind of light bruising whatsoever. Eventually, he contacted journalist Jose Martins, who had placed an ad in a newspaper looking for people who had experiences with UFOs. Upon hearing Boas' story, Martins contacted Dr. Olavo Fontes of the National School of Medicine of Brazil. Fontes was also in contact with the American UFO Research Group, APRO, uh, Fontes examined the farmer and concluded that he he had been exposed to a large dose of radiation from some source that was unknown and was now suffering from mild radiation sickness. Okay. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I've listened to um, and have read and stuff like that, a lot of these abductions come with radiation. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it's kind of odd to me, but also not odd to me. So the other two stories that I gave. Um, they, they had lingering effects, but it was mostly just, you know, feeling lethargic and, and just being really tired and whatever, which if something is entering and using your energy, like we talk about with the paranormal stuff, uh, that's, you get paranormal hangovers. It just drains the shit out of you. Yeah. Uh, this obviously much different because there is a physical aspect of it. Uh, he, he did have radiation sickness. And he's a farmer. And he's a fuck man. A fuck man? I, I lost it. I lost it. And, and fuck one alien and everybody calls you an alien fucker. An intergalactic fuck boy. An intergalactic fuck boy. He uh, was like, oh, there we go. What'd that puss do? So some of his symptoms were uh, pains throughout the body, nausea, headaches, loss of appetite, ceaselessly burning sensations in the eyes. Oh, man, I was hoping you were going to say something else. No. Uh, Lesions at the slightest of light bruising, which went on appearing for months, looking like small reddish nodules, harder than the skin around them, and protuberant. Painful when touched, each with a small central orifice yielding a yellowish, thin, waterish discharge. Uh, It it sounds like he, like, they did more than fucking, like, like, there wasn't some BDSM shit. Oh, yeah. The skin surrounding the wounds presented a hyperchromatic violet-tinged area, which is not normal for skin lesions. According to researcher Pete Rogerson, the story first came to light in February 1958, and the earliest definite print reference to Boas's story was from the April to June 1962 issue of the Brazilian UFO periodical, SBESDV Bulletin. Okay. It's probably something Spanish. Or they don't speak Spanish, do they? No, they they speak... Portuguese? Yes. 
Sure. Something like that. I don't know. They they speak Brazilians. They, okay. They speak Brazilian. We speak American. We speak. We don't, we don't know anything. We just speak American. Yeah. Roderson notes that the story had definitely circulated between 1958 and 1962 and was probably recorded in print, but the details are uncertain. Boas was able to recall every detail of his purported experience without the need for hypnotic regression. Except what that vagina looks like, what that alien puss looks like. I'm telling you. And further, Boas's experience occurred in 1957, which was still several years before the famous Hill abduction, which made the concept of alien abduction famous and opened the door to many other reports of similar experiences. However, doubts from uh, Rogerson as well as other researchers uh, about Boas's story are still very, very big. Uh, he notes that several months before Boas first related his claims, a similar story was printed in the November 1957 issue of the periodical O Cruziero and suggests that Boas borrowed details of this earlier account along with elements of the contactee stories of George Adamski. Um, the contact E stories is a whole nother thing, and we can kind of talk about it real quick. How much okay. time do we have? Yeah, I don't know. We're near the end. It's okay. We'll just do the general idea about it. Uh, contactees are persons who claim to have experienced contact with, with uh, extraterrestrials. Some claimed ongoing encounters, while others claim to have had as few as one single encounter. Evidence is anecdotal in all cases. As a cultural phenomenon, contactees perhaps had their greatest notoriety from the late 1940s to the late 1950s, but individuals continue to make similar claims even now. Some have shared their messages with small groups of followers, and many contactees have written books, published magazines, movies, whatever. The contactee movement has seen serious attention from academics and mainstream scholars. Among the earliest was the classic 1956 study, When Prophecy Fails, by Leon Festinger. Uh, which analyzed the phenomenon. There have been at least two university-level anthologies of scientific papers regarding the contactee movements. So they've done scientific studies on a couple of these people. This who have, phenomenon. Yeah, who have reported things. Contactee accounts are generally different from those who allege alien abduction in that while contactees usually describe positive experiences involving, involving humanoid aliens, abductees rarely describe their experiences positively. Right. So... It's people who don't necessarily get abducted, but who are contacted right. by otherworldly beings. I I do like how you talked about the mental mindfuck ones were just extremely tired and lethargic. And how our old like alien pussy slayer, Antonio. <laughs> Antonio the pussy slayer. Uh, and how Antonio like literally had a lot of fucking issues. Yeah, he had radiation poisoning and BDSM roped um shit. It doesn't go into it. I know that sometimes if you dig far enough into the ground, I'm not sure what type of farm he had. I'm not sure what he was doing out there. I'm not sure if he was digging wells or who fucking knows what he was doing out there. Mm -hmm. But Sometimes if you get deep enough into the ground, you could, you could uncover some radon. You know, yeah. Radon or, or really anything, especially in that time, mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of fucking wars going on, a lot of, a lot of bad shit going on. So who knows what he possibly could have uncovered by just disturbing the fucking ground. But even still, can you get hallucin hallucinations by, from radiation? 
Uh, I'm sure you can. Okay, because I know like black mold can do it. Yeah, and that's not really radiation. Though. No, but I'm I'm. I want to put something together and I want to say something, but I'm not allowed to, <laughs> well, so I'm not. Going that's going to be. It's going to have to. You're going to have to do research. You're going to have to do your own research. Yeah, and I'll I'll tell you my thing after everything's over because I'm not allowed to say it. Okay. Um, but after like not even on the post show. Not even on the post show. Okay. I I cannot say it. Okay. Uh, so, um. Oh, I, I think I know what you're talking about. It has to do with a place. Yeah. Close by. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now you're picking up what I'm putting. <laughs> yeah, so I'm picking up what you're putting. Okay. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, I want to know. This is what I got from his story. Do you want to know what the alien vagina looks like? I want to know what what this humanoid alien's vagina looked like. If it was a vagina like a human's, the, did it did it naturally? Uh, did it feel natural? Is that what well, you're did it feel natural? Did it did it produce its own natural lubricants, like like a a human vagina does? If he was covered in jelly. He probably wouldn't need it. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Depending on what the goo he was, he was lubed up before they even brought her in. Also, how in in that situation, Garrett, put your put yourself in that situation for a minute. I could get it up for that. You think you could get it up for that? Yes. In how, like, even how scared. Motherfucker, the wind changes direction and I'm hard. <laughs> Stiffer than a wedding day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know, man. I I don't think I could. I don't think I could. Just because just of, I, me, personally, I'm going to try to try to tear apart the situation to be like, okay, I wonder what this is like. What is this like? Did it have tits? Yeah. Did it have. Miss Caldwell's dump truck of an ass. On the cockiest level of shit, I enjoy sex because I feel that I am very good at sex. Mm. Well, so I, did Antonio, and yet... Well, Antonio's a different story. And maybe I wouldn't be able to please a humanoid alien. I Who fucking knows? But what I do know is what I know, right? I know that I can please a woman in a human body... Now, with that being said, do I think that I could please a humanoid alien? I don't fucking know because I don't know what they like. I don't know if their vaginas are the same. I don't even know what they look like. They're if, probably horizontal. They're... <laughs> be like fucking a ham sandwich. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this this episode is rated E for everyone. This fucking no. I it's mean, like fucking a ham sandwich. You said you said it had light blue eyes. That's the title for this episode, by the way. Fucking <laughs> a ham sandwich. I don't think you can put fucking. Making love to a ham sandwich. Making love to a ham sandwich. <laughs> Hold the mustard. Oh God! <laughs> I got real yeasty. Oh, and then you continue. All right. Did I'm you have any other questions or 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 interests? <laughs> In, in Antonio's story. No. No. All I imagine is a little green person with blue eyes with a horizontal vagina like a ham sandwich. That's all I can see. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> all right. Are you ready to head into the post show? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I want to thank y'all for listening. If you're enjoying this terrible show, be sure to follow us and stay tuned for more episodes to come.
And as always, do your own research. Oh, I need lean ham sandwiches. Bye. Bye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>